Welcome to Spring Ridge Church Podcast. We hope that you will be blessed by the podcast today. If you would like to find out more information about our church, our website's www.springridgechurch.com. You can send an email to me, the pastor, Scott Phillips, at pastor at springridgechurch.com. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Prayer requests, questions, desire for a Bible study, or you would like some information how to attend our church or another church of like precious faith. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. church on this wonderful Sunday. Truly, there is no other place that I personally would rather be than in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I look forward to coming to church every Sunday. Not only on Sundays, but on Wednesdays. I always look forward to the opportunity to get into the house of God, the presence of God with my church family. It's always a highlight of my week. Amen, because I know that God is always going to touch me and bless me and speak to me, and I'm expecting the same today. If you've got your Bibles, I invite you to go with me to the book of Genesis, the third chapter. I want to say how grateful I am for the opportunity to bring uh, the Word to us today. I do believe that God has laid a word upon my heart, and I pray that he would help me to deliver it today, or communicate it to you the way that I feel like that he's put it into my spirit. Amen. I'm thankful for my pastor and all that he does for me and my family and our life. I am grateful that he gives me the opportunity to preach. I am thankful for that. Amen. And I don't take this responsibility lightly. The book of Genesis, the third chapter, verse number 16, the Bible says, Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. A different translation words it this way to the woman he said I will make your pains in childbearing very severe with painful labor you will give birth to children your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Amen. If you'll set your Bibles down I want us to go to prayer one more time. If you would lift your voices and call upon the name of the Lord. I want him to move and minister in this service and speak to us. Oh God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would speak with clarity to us in the spirit this morning, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help me to effectively communicate what you have put into my spirit. I pray, God, that your word would go forth this morning and that it would do a great work in our life and in our church. I pray, God, that your word would deliver peace and comfort 
to the depths of every soul that is in this place, that you would give us peace and comfort and lift us up in a mighty way, Jesus. Can we give them a hand clap of praise this morning? We worship you, God. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We magnify you. We worship you in your mighty, holy name, Jesus. Amen, amen. You may be seated. This morning, for the next little while, I just want to preach to us on this subject, the birth of a blessing, the birth of a blessing. My desire this morning is to not be offensive to anyone that may be here or may watch this video via our live stream or at some other point, I am conscious of the subject and how it can affect people, different people in various ways, but I do feel like this is what God has commissioned me to preach this morning, the birth of a blessing. It was a promise, a new reality that Eve found herself in. In sorrow and in pain, she would bring forth children into the world. What would that pain look like? What would that sorrow feel like? Surely these were questions that entered into her mind while being told of a penalty that she must now embrace. If I were to offer a guess, I would guess that it were much different than what she expected. Because things often turn out differently than the way that we have it work out in our mind. I cannot imagine what it was like for Eve to bear the heaviness of that first pregnancy. Our minds cannot fully grasp the trauma of the delivery of her first son, Cain. Truly, the most archaic of methods were used to bring about this first child. But in one singular moment, when Eve's eyes looked down upon the crying, dirty cane, her heart and her spirit lifted high above the pain, high above the turmoil, high above the anguish that she had endured. What a triumphant victory it was when Eve overcame her season of struggle and held gloriously in her arms a blessing that could only come from God. I will never forget walking in the door from work one day. Jennifer was sitting at our kitchen table with an anxious smile attached to her face. I immediately knew that something was going on. She had impatiently been waiting for me. And there, sitting at that table, she handed me a coffee cup that said, Daddy. And underneath that word, it said, Establish 2018. Attached to that cup was a positive pregnancy test. This was Jennifer's way of announcing to me that she was pregnant. What a joyous day and a joyous occasion as we smiled and we laughed and we planned our next few steps in life. 
But I can tell you now that Jennifer nor I knew then what the process would look like or what that process would feel like. For Jennifer, it was the most intense nine months of her life. Her body was almost immediately thrown into a state of sickness. She was so sick that she could not keep food down and began to lose an excess amount of weight. This sickness was so extreme in her body that her doctor had to install this Zofran pump to offer a constant combatant to the nausea. In those nine months, there were trips to the doctor. Uh, there were trips to the hospital. There were worries. There were fears. There were frustrations. Uh, there were anxieties. Uh, and there were a whole host of other things that were not fun to live through. Uh, even during the delivery process up into that very last moment, uh, things did not go as planned. Uh, Howbeit, uh, when they placed little Olivia in her mama's arms for that first time. Every encounter with hardship was made worth it. When Olivia's cheek was pressed against her mama's lips for that first time, all the pain and the sorrow of the previous season was erased. The beauty of the blessing far outweighed the heaviness of the labor. I'm not trying to over sensationalize our experience, but what I'm trying to do is get us to understand that the process in life is different for everyone. That is how life is. Sometimes there are commonalities in people's processes, but there are also stark differences. People's stories are often different in life. I'm reminded of Sarah in her story. We find in Genesis 17, 90 years old and laughing at the notion that she would have a child. When we read her story, we seem to always zero in on her response to the situation. She coerced her husband Abraham into having a baby with her handmaid Hagar because after all she could not have children herself. She thought that she would help bring to fruition God's promises to Abraham that he would become a great nation through his children. In our humanity, we always gravitate towards her response of meddling, of jealousy, and her lack of faith. But what we never seem to consider when we read the story is the fact that Sarah had lived for 90 years with the inability to have children. All of those years of being looked down upon, of being treated less than, of being talked about, of feeling inadequate, insecure, pain, darkness, heaviness, and much more. All because the one thing that she wanted most in life evaded her. Because what we've got to understand is that Sarah lived in a culture where women having children was everything. And women not having children was a big deal 
And right there in that environment, right there in that situation, we find Sarah stuck in the middle. And I can imagine in my mind that all of that heaviness, that burden, that darkness, that pain impacted her response just a little. But in my mind, what impacted Sarah the most was time. She felt like her time had passed her by. She felt like she had ran out of time and in her life she could not hit a reset button. There was no do-over switch. She had no opportunity to go back and try again. But in her mind, time was out. In her mind, she was standing on the wrong side of time because what we must understand this morning is that time has a way of impacting our response. I have tried for so long and I keep getting the same outcome. I've been doing the same thing for so long. I'm growing weary now. It's been a long time now and nothing has changed. It's been quite a while now and everything still looks the same. And I tell you this morning as a people of God that if we are not careful that we can let time affect our approach. We can look at our present circumstances, our present situation, and we can look at the totality of our life and feel like our life has passed us by, that it's been gone, it's been too long, and our opportunity has eluded us and slipped from our fingertips, that it slipped out of the palm of our hands. But the funny thing about time is it either passes too slowly or it passes too quickly depending on what our need is is our view of time and time will vary down by two points with one second left in the game the offense always says we don't have much time and the defense always says they don't have much time it's an altogether different perception and an altogether different response depending on what side of time that you stand on and I'm submitting to us that it was this time, this acknowledgement this understanding of time that greatly impacted Sarah's response to the promise of God but I tell you on this Sunday morning that we have good news and that is that God is not affected the way that we are by time that time does not exist in eternity the sun neither rises nor it sets second Peter tells us that to the Lord that there is no difference between one day and a thousand years and I tell you just like in Sarah's life that it doesn't matter if it's been 10 years 20 years 30 years 40 years 90 years that when it's God's time to perform the miracle the miracle is going to be performed the time does not erode or diminish the power of God I tell you that time does not bind God it does not hold captive the power of God and that when God gets ready to move a move of God is what there will be that when God gets ready to step on the scene that time cannot interfere but God can inject and God can provide 
perform and God can intervene and God can work it out. I know what it's like when our mind is overtaken by the current circumstances and the situations around us and the way things look in the natural. I know what it's like to stand on the wrong side of time and say I don't have much time. Time has ran out. Time has expired. It's all zeros on the clock. But I tell you that when God is on the throne and still reigning in power and supremacy that there is no expiration. There is no buzzer. There are no zeros on the clock. But God is still working. God is still moving. God is still manipulating. Come on, the power and the presence of God is still on the scene. This truth was displayed in Sarah's life when in Genesis 21, the Bible tells us that God visited Sarah as he had said. In her old age, she conceived and she had a son. In one distinctive moment, all of her pain, all of her hardship, all of her feeling inadequate, all of her guilt, all of her troubles were erased by the presence of a baby named Isaac. This process was unique for Sarah. It was different for Sarah. It was quite a hardship for Sarah. But I tell you that in the end, it produced what God had ordained for it to produce. Consider this story with me. How Jacob loved Rachel so much so that he worked out a deal with her father Laban that he would work seven years for him. And in return, at the end of the seven years, he would get to marry Rachel. The problem was, however, that at the end of the seven years, Laban went back on his word. Rather than being given Rachel, we know from the story that Jacob was given the older sister Leah instead. Jacob did marry Leah. However, he still had that desire for Rachel. So he agreed that he would work seven more years for the opportunity to marry her. And after 14 years, we see that Jacob and Rachel were finally married. This is where we find in the story that Rachel's dilemma begins because the scripture leads us to believe that Jacob had great affection for Rachel, but not so for Leah. Leah felt that she could change this by having children with Jacob. So that is what she did. She started giving Jacob sons. It was a big deal in that environment for men to have sons. And Rachel knew this. The problem was that Rachel could not have children. The Bible records that Leah had seven children. Seven times Rachel had to stand by and watch as Leah birthed children to Jacob. Seven different times Leah was so easily able to produce the one thing that Rachel so greatly desired to be able to do herself. Rachel 
here in this story had to stand by. She had to watch as time and time again someone else in her life got their blessing. Someone else in their life obtained what she wanted to obtain. Someone else in their life had in their arms what she wanted to hold in her arms. Someone else in her life got their victory. Someone else in in her life got their breakthrough. Someone else walked in the joy of what they had received. And all of this played out in front of Rachel. Uh, People coming to her and saying, have you heard that Leah's pregnant again? Uh, Have you heard that Leah's had another son? Uh, Have you heard that Leah and Jacob uh, are celebrating once more? Uh, And can you imagine with me uh, the pain that gripped her? Uh, It was like a knife, like a dagger stabbing her uh, in the depths, in the pit of her stomach, uh, cutting her like a two-edged sword, uh, grinding on her over and over and over again. Because more than anything in her life, she wanted to be able to give Jacob the very thing that Leah was so easy to give her or give him. Seven different times this played out and Rachel had to stand by and watch. Rachel had to stand by and watch this unfold in front of her eyes. What kind of effect do you think this was having on her mind? She was letting someone else's victory, someone else's blessing impact her life. I tell you this morning that it's a challenge that every one of us face sometimes in our life. That if we're not careful, we can stand by and let someone else's blessing be a hindrance to us in our life. That we can let someone else's blessing dictate what our response is going to be in our life. We can let someone else's blessing steer our approach. And I'm not just talking about in the natural, but I'm talking about in the spiritual. That we can watch somebody else get their spiritual breakthrough. We can watch somebody else get their revival. We can watch somebody else get their outpouring upon their life. And it seems like it comes so easy. And there's no pain. And there's no turmoil and there's no more affliction and it can affect the way that we approach our relationship with God. We can let it steer us and have an impact on the way that we live out God and we pursue what he has for us in our life. But I tell you that we've got to resist letting someone else's blessing affect us. But what we've got to understand is that God has something for us. That God has a plan for our life and God has a purpose for us and God is ordering our steps I tell you that we've got to resist this trap that's so easy to fall into after years of watching her sister thrive the Bible tells us that God remembered Rachel and the Bible tells us that he opened up her womb in a single moment in an instant all the years of bearing the burden of barrenness it was erased by the power of God the tears of pain were replaced with the tears of joy the voids left by emptiness were filled with 
and he understands the, the intricate details about it. And what we've got to understand is that God has a purpose and a plan for each and every one of us. We can't always see it. We don't always understand it. And it certainly always doesn't make sense to us. But what we've got to hold on to is the fact that God's word is an anchor for our soul. That it's an anchor for our life. And when those storms come blowing in. Come on, when the rain of doubt and fear beats down upon us. When the wind of compromise and doubt blows against us. It's in those moments and in those times that we've got to hold on to that anchor that God has placed in the depth of our soul, in the depth of our spirit, and understand that you know what? When this rain ceases and this wind stops blowing, come on, when the sun shines, I know that then and there God will give me my blessing. I cannot tell you how it affected me when I heard the news that Tammy was pregnant and that God was blessing her with her miracle. Come on, the process was different for Tammy than it was for other people. I don't understand why the process is always different in people's lives, but what I understand is that in everybody's life, those that seek after God and trust Him, He remains faithful to them. Those that place their hope in God, they have an assurance that God is keeping them and watching over them and protecting them. Come on, like the fowls of the air gather in their young in their nest. Come on, as those eggs sit in the safety and the warmth underneath that mama bird, I tell you that God gathers us in under the safety of his wings. That he covers us, he protects us, and he nurtures us, and he understands when the time is right to open that door. I can't imagine what it was like in that hospital room that day when those doctors took that baby girl and placed them in Tammy's arms. I wasn't there, but I have to imagine that there were tears of joy that swelled up in her eyes. Come on, there was a sense of relief and a sense of understanding in her, in her, in her soul. And I tell you this morning that if God can do it in the physical God can do it in the spiritual. There's something that I want us to understand this morning. And that is that scripture teaches with types using natural realities to demonstrate spiritual truths. We see that Melchizedek was the natural and Jesus Christ was the spiritual we see that Passover was the natural. We see that the cross was the spiritual. We see that the tabernacle was the natural. We see that the cross, or excuse me, the church is the spiritual. We see that temples were the natural. We see that the bodies, come on, are the spiritual. We see that into the ark was the natural. We see that buried in water is the spiritual. We see that out of the ark was the natural. And we see that into a new life is the spiritual. The natural, the physical, oftentimes comes first in our experience. This is the way that 1 Corinthians 15 and 44 says it. It is sown a natural body. 
it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living spirit. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. So I tell us this this morning, that we are born of flesh before we are born again in the spirit. We are sown in corruption in the flesh, but we are raised in incorruption in the spirit. We are sown in dishonor in the flesh, but we are raised in glory in the spirit. We are sown in weakness in the flesh, but we are raised in the power in the spirit. We are sown a natural body in the flesh. We are raised a spiritual body in the spirit. What are you talking about this morning? What I'm talking about is that sometimes natural realities oh I feel the Holy Ghost all over me. That sometimes natural realities Come on, I'm preaching to the spirit of our church right now. Sometimes natural realities are used to demonstrate the heavenly that we have not yet seen. Jesus taught in parables using the natural realities that people were familiar with to demonstrate spiritual truths that they had not yet seen yet. And what I'm telling you this morning, what I'm preaching to the spirit of this church this morning is that if God, come on, if God... God can give a promise. Come on, if God can give a promise to a woman in our church, and despite the odds, despite all that was against her, come on, despite everything that she fought, despite the doubt, despite the fear, despite the chaos, come on, despite the enemy fighting her, despite all of that, if God can give that woman a blessing, come on, if God can place it in her arms, come on, if God can open up her womb and cause deliverance to come to her, I'm telling you that God can fulfill his promise. Come on to the spirit of the church. I'm telling you that God can open the womb of the church. What I'm telling you, that is if God can do it in the natural, he can do it in the physical. Or if God can do it in the physical, he can do it in the spiritual. Come on, if God can do it in the natural, God can do it in the spiritual. I want us to believe right now that if God, come on, in the Bible, can use, come on, natural, physical elements to bring about the spiritual, that even in this day, God can use the physical to elevate our, our faith to a place, come on, where things can be birthed in the spirit. Stand to your feet this morning. If they want to come to the music, they can. But I, I want us to let God put this in our spirit. I want our faith to be elevated right now. Peter, James, and John, they toiled all night long before they brought in their blessing. I'm telling you that sometimes we got to go through seasons, through times where we toil. We try and we try again. Come on. We keep going back to the water and we keep going again. Sometimes we drag up an empty net and we drag up an empty net again. But the point is we keep going and we keep going again because what we got to understand is sometimes we got to toil through the night come on to get our blessing in the morning. Sometimes we got to walk through, live through, endure the night come on to experience 
that blessing in the morning. I tell you that there was a woman in the Bible that had an issue of blood. She fought this issue of blood in her life for 12 years. But I tell you that after 12 years, Jesus blessed her with her healing. Sometimes we have to go through something for a short season. And other times it's a much longer season. But I tell you that when Jesus steps on the scene, whether it's been two years or 12 years, Jesus can bring about the blessing. That Jesus can open the womb to the miraculous and let the blessing be birthed. For four days, Mary and Martha watched as their brother laid lifeless in a grave. Four days dead. I couldn't imagine if he lay dead there for 30 minutes, three hours, 24 hours. But the Bible tells us that he laid in that grave for four days. And it was then and there, after everything looked like it was done, everything looked like it was finished. Come on, maybe they had already had the ceremony. Come on, maybe everybody had already brought their flowers and paid their respects. Maybe they had already had the, the meal afterwards. Come on. The tears had been shed. Come on, the, the hugs had been given. Come on. The obituary had been sent out in the newspapers. It was after all of that that Jesus stepped on the scene. And we find that he allowed the womb of the miraculous to be opened. He allowed the miraculous to be birthed in Mary and Martha's life. And we see that he spoke out in power. And he brought back Lazarus to life. What I'm telling us is that the Bible is true. When it tells us that through much tribulation we enter into the kingdom of God. I tell you that sometimes the greatest blessings in our life comes after the fiercest of trials. Sometimes the greatest blessings, come on, the brightest moments come after we've had to endure the darkest of nights. Sometimes the greatest blessings in our life come after the most silent of nights, the most silent of silences. Sometimes our greatest blessings come after the driest of seasons. Come on. Sometimes I tell you that our safety line is thrown out to us when the water is over our heads. Come on. Sometimes I tell you that our exit plan is given to us when our back is against the wall. Come on. And we don't see any way out. I don't understand why it works like that. I don't understand all of the processes of life. But I offer encouragement to us today. And I tell you, come on, I tell this church that our blessing, come on, our blessing is on its way. And when God, listen to me people, when God places that blessing in our arms. Come 
I tell you that all of the pain, all of the sacrifice, all of the hardship, all of the turmoil, all of the agony, come on, all of the anguish, come on, all those dry seasons, all of that emptiness, come on, all emotions and feelings come on uh, all of that guilt uh, all of that wishing we had done things differently uh, all of those times we wish we had a do over come on all those times we wish that there was just a little bit more time uh, all of those times we wish that we had executed a little bit better uh, all of those times we wish things had just played out uh, just a little bit different all of that will be erased in that one singular moment uh, when God opens the wound to the miraculous uh, Come on, when God opens the womb to the divine. Come on, when God opens it up and he allows, come on, he allows the birth to take place. He allows the miraculous to take place. I tell you that God, sometime back last year, gave me this prayer. And I've been baited sharing this part because I oftentimes deal with insecurities but I look around and it's just family here this morning and so I I want to share this but you know when I was a kid I got spanked in front of my brother and sister sometimes so if brother Philip spanks me I'll, I'll take my whooping it'll be okay but I think it was back in 20 spring of 2018 or 2019 it was either in February or March. I preached about Joseph and uh, preached about him being in Egypt and all of that. And the Lord showed me something in the scripture verses uh, in that message that I had never seen before. And it was the fact that Jacob had grieved the loss of his promise. He had grieved Joseph being taken away from him. And he didn't understand all that there was to understand. And the Bible tells us in Genesis that his brothers returned back to Jacob's house and told him that, that Joseph was alive, that he was in Egypt and he was with the governor. He was set up in a high place over the land. And the Bible tells us that, that Jacob was grieved he didn't believe them. He was, he was upset. He was in turmoil because of what they were telling him. But what I found interesting in the scripture verse is the fact that this is what the Bible says. It says, and they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had sent unto them. And when he saw the wagons, when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, then was the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. So what I'm trying to point out to us is that sometimes a word can be spoken to us and it can only do so much for us, but then God can send a sign and he can do a demonstration of his power. And when we see that, it can bring into confirmation what was spoken, come on, in the spirit. And, and a couple weeks ago, the only reason why I bring that up is because a couple weeks ago, I was sitting there in the front row. And I hadn't thought about this probably, I don't know, maybe I hadn't thought about it since I preached. I don't know, it hadn't been on my mind, Brother Phillips. 
And I was sitting there a couple of Wednesday nights ago. I think it was Wednesday night. It may have been Sunday. No, it was a Sunday. A couple of Sundays ago. And I was sitting there. And the Lord reminded me of that. And said, remember when Jacob saw the wagons. <laughs> How his spirit was revived. Because I sent a demonstration. I sent something for him to see. I sent something in the physical to remind him that his promise was still alive. And so the Lord was stirring me and reminding me of that. And I kid you not, you can't make this stuff up. You can't make this stuff up. In the very moment, the precise moment that I was thinking about that, Brother Philip started talking about this very thing. Do you remember? You remember saying something about the wagons? You, you don't remember? We'll go back and watch the live stream. We'll go back and watch the live stream. But you'll see that Brother Phillips started talking about Jacob seeing the wagon. And it was like confirmation to me. And right after that's when God began to deal with me about the birth of a blessing. The birth of a blessing. And when I'm trying to submit to the spirit of the church this morning is sometimes we see things in the physical we see things in the natural. And it's a sign for us of the things that are going to come in the spiritual. Come on. It's a sign for us of what God is getting ready to do. And what I'm telling you is, if God can perform a miracle. Come on. If God can perform a, a miracle in the physical. Come on. If we can hold a, a physical miracle. I tell you that. Come on. We can hold a miracle in the spiritual. Because after all, more than God, come on, being a God of the physical, He is a God of the spiritual. Come on. More than God being able to work and operate in the physical. Come on. God can move and work and operate in the spiritual. And that's really what I'm trying to get across to us this morning. Is that the birth of a blessing, come on, is coming in the spiritual. We've already seen it in the physical. But I'm telling us in the Holy Ghost that it's coming in the spiritual. Come on, can we give God praise? Come on, can we call out that name? Come on, can we give Him glory? And can we give Him honor? Come on, let's give Him high praise right now.